0: Let us pray. Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In today's gospel reading, Jesus begins with a question. It's a fairly simple question, an easy question. Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And I say that it's an easy question because it would seem that then as now, just about everyone has an opinion about who Jesus is, about who Jesus was. When he poses that question to the disciples, they respond, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah come back to life. Still others, uh, they say that you're one of the Old Testament prophets come back from the dead. When I think about today, you know, if you were to ask the average person on the street, who do you think Jesus is, you probably get a broad range of opinions, but you probably would get an opinion, right? A teacher, a rabbi, a radical, a revolutionary. Remember that book that came out uh, last year, two years ago called Zealot? Remember how the, uh, the author of that book was, was on every major news show talking about how Jesus fits squarely into this tradition of first century Jewish uh, zealots, people who rose up against authority? Remember that book, Jesus CEO? Some people think he's a CEO. Some people think he's a hippie. Some people think he's a conservative. But no matter what they think or who they think Jesus is, they have an opinion. So this is a fairly easy question to answer. But right after that, Jesus asks a much more difficult question by just changing a single word, not who do people say that I am, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And this follows a pattern in Jesus' life, his ministry, his message, where he takes the, the universal the general, the specific, and he makes it very personal, very specific, very individual. Um, I was watching a uh, talk given by a sort of a noted public intellectual recently who he hasn't said it, but it's pretty clear that he's in the midst of becoming a Christian. And he talked about how in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the, the universal and the individual come together. The truth of the universe is made manifest in a personal, in a human being, someone with whom we can have a relationship, with whom we can come into contact. And as he was talking about that, I think he's going through an illness right now, a cancer or something. As he was talking about the person of Jesus, making the universal truth of, of God knowable to us, he couldn't help but just start to, to weep. He was so taken by the person of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but um, pretty much every major world religion feels compelled to deal with the person of Jesus Christ. So if you look in Islam, for example, you know, Muslims don't think that Jesus was God, the son of God, but they do think he was a prophet named Isa, a prophet who was born of a virgin, who performed miracles, who ascended into heaven bodily and who will come again to judge the world. Now, there's some big things about Jesus they, they don't believe they don't agree with us on. I'll talk about those a little bit later on, but they feel a need to, to make a place for Jesus. Hinduism is similar. Many Hindus see Jesus as the fullest expression of what a human being can be a human being in all their, their glory, all their potential. And perhaps Jesus is even a God among the the many that the pantheon of Hindu gods. In Buddhism, uh, many Buddhists see Jesus as an enlightened human being, an enlightened master, one to whom we can look for guidance and teaching. You know, the Dalai Lama, the, the worldwide leader of Buddhism at present, when he talks about Jesus, he often does it in the same breath as talking about the Buddha himself. Everyone seems to need to have something to say about Jesus. And yet the question remains, who do you say that Jesus is? And the reason that's such a difficult question is because the answer has consequences, has consequences for what we believe, has consequences for how we live our lives. Some of you may remember uh, me talking about a a friend of mine who once said to me, RJ, you know, I really, I want to be a Christian. I'd like to believe in Jesus. I find it very compelling. But if I do, what's he going to make me do? Where is he going to send me? Am I going to find myself in some place I don't want to go? And the only answer is maybe, <laughs> right? You never know. What does Jesus himself say? The wind blows where it chooses, where it comes from and where it's going, nobody knows. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And I can tell you from my personal experience, uh, you know, the, the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus has, has blown me from California to New York, to Pittsburgh, to Houston, to West Palm Beach, you know, my wife loves it she's very very grateful Uh, you never know where you might end up when you're captured by jesus this may be the most not maybe it is the most important question that any of us will ever answer who do you say that i am and jesus makes this painfully almost uh, frighteningly clear at the end of today's gospel message when he says those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, he does not mince words. Those who are ashamed of me, of them, the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Now, that seems kind of strange. Why would we be ashamed of Jesus? Well, remember that his manner of death, the crucifixion was intended to debase human beings. Tended to, it was intended to erase them from memory. It was the most shameful, most public, most painful manner of death that really any culture pretty much ever has, has devised. And the idea that you would say that the God you worship was crucified would have been um, almost unintelligible to the people who first heard that message in a first century Roman context. So who do you say that Jesus is? And if you're not sure about that, I think I can speak for DJ and myself that we'd love to talk to you about that. If you're thinking through, wrestling through who is Jesus, we're not gonna pretend to have all the answers. All we can do is share uh, what little wisdom and experience we have in the hopes that you would find some clarity on that question. And if you haven't read one of the gospels all the way through recently, Go home and do that this week. Read the Gospel of Luke. Read the Gospel of Matthew. You may be surprised at what you find, even if you think you know all about this man. Take the time to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? Now, this morning's Gospel, uh, the Apostle Peter comes up with the right answer. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Messiah. Messiah, of course, is a Hebrew word, which means chosen one, anointed one, the one whom God has sent to deliver us to, to save us. The one we've been promised, the one we've been waiting for. In other gospels, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of God. He gets the right answer. And then the funniest thing happens right after he gives the right answer. He shows that he has no idea what being the Messiah actually means what the mission of Jesus actually is. Here's what it says. It says, uh, Jesus began to teach them that the the son of man, and son of man is a title which comes from the book of Daniel from a, a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, but it's something that Jesus called himself, the son of man. Jesus began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. The Messiah must be killed. And on the third day rise again. Jesus said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? In one breath you're saying, yes, you're the Messiah the son of God. And then you pull him aside to be like, let me correct you. Let me tell you how it's actually going to (laughs) go. Peter rebukes Jesus, but turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan for you are setting your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. So what's going on here? Well, first, I think it's safe to say that Peter really doesn't like the idea of his friend, his mentor, his leader, being rejected and suffering and dying. Peter has given up everything. He's left his home. He's left his family. He's left his work. He loves Jesus and to hear Jesus talking about the pain that is to come, Peter does want to hear that. Secondly, I would say that, as I alluded to before, suffering and dying is probably incompatible with Peter's conception of God. Remember I talked about Islam before? The, the one thing that Muslims say is that it wasn't actually Jesus who was crucified. It was someone who looked like Jesus. Maybe it was even Judas. Now, wouldn't that make more sense? <laughs> If it was Judas and not Jesus, because in a, in a Muslim conception of the world, really in Peter's conception of the world, in all of our conceptions of the way that power and the universe works, the idea that the God who created everything would come to earth and suffer and die on the cross at our hands, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean, Jesus, that you've come to suffer and die? So those are two things that are going on. But I think on a deeper, even more personal level, Peter doesn't want a suffering, rejected, dead Messiah. That's not what he wants. He wants a hero. He wants someone who can lead him into victory, who can help him, enable him to conquer everything in his life that is holding him down because Peter is a person just like you and me. He's got kids to raise. He's got bills to pay, sicknesses to endure. He's had people in his life die. Remember the situation of the Jews in in first century Palestine. They'd been under Roman authority their entire lives. All they wanted was to someone to come along and to solve all their problems. And I can relate to that because I want someone to come along and solve my problems too, because life is hard. And the past year and a half in particular has been hard. I'm tired of looking at a congregation of people wearing masks. I'll be honest with you. I'm sure you're tired of wearing them. I'm tired of wearing them. I'm so grateful for our uh, online worship, but I really wish those people were here. I'm tired of people being sick. I'm tired of people dying. I'll share with you that in the past two weeks, five members of my extended family came down with COVID, two of them were hospitalized, and one of them died, leaving behind a spouse. And I'm tired of it. I'm a little bit angry about it. I would really love Jesus to show up and to solve my earthly problems. And when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, Remember when he went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? There were three temptations, right? The first was Satan said to Jesus after he had uh, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the, the scripture says um, he was hungry. It's like the greatest uh, <laughs> understatement of all of scripture. He'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. And at that moment, Satan shows up, three temptations. Number one, turn these stones to bread. Provide for yourself. Number two, Throw yourself down from a high place because God will save you. He'll protect you. And number three, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Satan tempts Jesus with three things, provision, protection, and power, earthly power. And I'll tell you what, those three things sound real good to me. (laughs) That's what I want. Provision, protection, power. But that's not Jesus's way. That's not what Jesus has come to do. Let me shift gears. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been, for the last year or so, we've been using the same artist for our cover image just about every single week. Anyone notice that? He's a French artist named James Tissot, 19th century. He's actually, he was born Jacques Tissot, but he's a bit of an Anglophile. He loved England, so he changed his name to James. He was an impressionist. Uh, Before he started painting pictures of Jesus, he was an impressionist who's actually the most successful impressionist, French impressionist of of the 19th century, very wealthy. He was raised in a family of fabric merchants, and so he was very good with with textures and textiles. And he made a lot of money painting portraits of wealthy women wearing expensive clothing. (laughs) Okay. In 1870, he moved to England. He bought a house in a really nice part of town. He met a woman with whom he fell in love. She moved in. They had a baby and later in life he would say that was the happiest time in his life when he was able to finally live the kind of family life he'd always dreamed of living. And then she died of tuberculosis and he went back to Paris to deal with his grief and the process would have just happened. And apparently at that time, it was not an uncommon thing to visit spiritual mediums, spiritual guides, do seances. He was trying to reconnect with the woman he loved from beyond the grave. At some point, he found himself in saint Sulpice in Paris. Anyone ever been there? Beautiful Catholic church. He was there during communion service and during this communion service, he had a vision. And he painted, uh, he did a painting of this vision called Ruins, Voices Within. I give you, and if you're at home, uh, we're going to put it up on the screen for you right now so you can see. I give you permission to pull out your phone if you want to. Tissot, T-I-S-S-O-T, Ruins, Voices Within. And if you look at this painting, it's of a man and a woman wearing very tattered clothing. They're clearly very poor. They're hungry. The man is wearing a bandage around his head that has some blood on it. The woman is actually wearing a mask, a fabric mask, believe it or not. They're sitting together in front of them is a a simple sack with all of their worldly possessions and they are sitting on the ruins, on the rubble of what looks like a, a formerly a church, a Gothic church and they're suffering. And they're just looking down they're, they're sitting on the ruins. They're looking at the ruins. They're uh, her, her Her head is in her hand. His chin is in his hand. And they're just looking down, expressionless. And then right next to the man, sitting right next to him, leaning against him, you know who's there? Jesus. Jesus wearing a crown of thorns. It's the crucified Jesus wearing a crown of thorns, holes in his hands, blood streaming down his arms and down his face. This was the vision that James Tussaud was given of Jesus being present with him in his suffering. And it changed his life. From then on, he painted nothing but uh images of the gospels for the rest of his life he he took three trips to the holy land he painted over 350 paintings his life was captured by jesus not because jesus promised provision or protection or power but just because jesus promised to be with him in the midst of it and that's the the promise that jesus makes to peter and to us That he's rejected with us, that he suffers with us, that he dies with us. And not only that, but when he dies with us, he's raised to new life. That this life is not the end, no matter what we are suffering or experiencing. And that's what, you know, we're gonna do a baptism today for the first time publicly since I got here. So two years about, that's what baptism is about. It's about death and resurrection. Believe it or not, in the Bible, water is a symbol of death. Think about Noah's Ark. Think about Jonah and the whale. Think about Moses and the people of Israel walking through the Red Sea. The Apostle Paul says that when we are united with Jesus in his death through the waters of baptism, we will also be united with him in his resurrection. That's the promise that Jesus makes to us in the cross. So I don't know what you're going through right now personally. I hope your life is awesome. (laughs) But I also know you may be going through some things. Maybe your life isn't what you thought it was going to be, what you hoped it would be. Perhaps you feel as though you've, you've you've lost your life. And if you feel like you've lost your life or are losing your life, Hear what Jesus says to us today. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Jesus offers hope for those of us who have lost our lives, hope of resurrection. Amen.